Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You wicked clouds. Whoop, whoop. What's up? It is time, whoop, whoop. Jake. You are in my house right now, Jake Young. Get it, son. I'm a hatchet wielding fucking psychotic clown bruiser holding McNeely. Uh, and I am a five minute song in which uh, <laughs> someone just talks about killing pedophiles <laughs> with a chainsaw. Fuck, fuck your rebel flag, Jake. I mean, I'm yes. coming for you, man. Don't. Well, first of all, I have no rebel flag. <laughs> And that is, listen, I'm sitting here in my ivory tower, <laughs> drinking my brandy, and I like sophisticated music for ugly, weird nerds, like Weezer, and they might be giants, and uh, maybe OAR, let's throw OAR in there. Oh my, also how dare Jimmy you Buffett. invoke or Are you kidding? <laughs> By the way, that's frat boy horseshit. Or all right, fine, fine. Modesky, Martin, and Wood. Whatever. Oh, how dare is, you? I'm not invited to the party, <laughs> and I am seeking solace and more dignified <laughs> weird nerd music. I'm listening to video game soundtracks and anime opening theme songs, <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> Unlike you, you sick monster man, Holden. Uh, and today we have a very special guest. I'm so excited to get uh, an expert in the field. Humble among. Thank you so much for joining. Joining us uh, today. What up, though? Hell How's yeah, everybody dude. doing tonight? It's it's a, it's an honor to be here, guys. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, Thank you very yeah. Much. I was uh, so glad. You know, when Jake said he had that set up, I, I think it's important because I also feel like. You know, kind of what I love about the old Juggalo thing, too, is like there's not a ton of gatekeeping, at least in my opinion. Maybe you could let, let us in on it uh, if there is a little, there's bit, a little yeah, bit of that. that. I mean, I don't have a tattoo or anything. This is the funny thing, though. All right. Well, ugh, I'm so I'm so excited for this episode, bro. So so, you know, I, 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 I have never been to a show. Really? I've never, you know. I've never been to a show, which is a huge, huge regret of mine, especially with the you recent news. That. Like it's something I've you all, need to fix that. Let I me need tell to you, fix man. that. And so I've been, we, we you were know, talking a little bit before we got on about um, our history with ICP, and uh, you you said you were in and out yeah. a little bit, right? In and out. So yeah, I, I it kind of is hilariously aligns with like my relationship with pro, pro wrestling in a lot of ways. Like, mm. which is so funny because I feel like you know, obviously we'll get into how ICP the same and thing pro in a lot of ways. So connected. I got in around you know Great Malenko. I know it was pre Jackal Brothers. Uh, is when I got in. Uh, so it was definitely on Great Malenko. And I even remember we have a school assembly and we were the theater kids. And it was my buddies at school that like like. 
like let me in on it and I started you know listening to it. I remember on the disc man on school trips and shit with fucking ringmaster blasting and shit. Hell yeah. And and I remember uh, we got to play the opening music for school assembly. So while every all the kids in the whole school were walking into the theater for school assembly, which we did like once a week, uh, my buddy had Great Malenko, the opening track, uh, title track, play on repeat. And we were so scared the first time the song ended because we, we, were, we didn't know if it worked, the repeat. And if it hadn't worked, you know it goes right into some like yeah. incredibly filthy raps. I'm trying to think. So if, luckily, if we're that's like, pretty wild. He even got that track played, honestly, because I think. I feel like I know it is actually pretty PG now that I'm thinking about it because it's just the laughter and, and the, the talking. It's part. just sadistic. Yeah, yeah, it's just creepy and weird sounding. And it was so fun to watch kids. Wait, are you sure it would go into a filthy rap or would it go into a three minute uh, hastily improvised <laughs> sketch where they talk about burritos Cholito. and uh, Violent J just says motherfucker in a weird, funny way? Uh, no, no. But uh, yes, that that would have been possible, too, if there was a uh, if, no, if it, it was on Hocus random. Pocus, I think, right? Yeah, it goes in a fucking Hocus Pocus, which oh, is a gra- it's such a good album opener. But anyways, so at first, like, genuinely loved it, and then I feel like uh, uh, fell out of it. Even, I think, even honestly, unfortunately, before Juggle Brothers came out, which now I feel like I so slept on that album. By the way, I see you're wearing a Juggle Brothers shirt, which is awesome. I think that is actually one of their strongest albums, and I think a friend of mine was just like, eh, it ain't that great, so I didn't even, like, listen oh, to it, so and I'd already kind of moved on. It's so good. It's so good, and uh, then in college, college i met some new friends and you know we ended up forming a sketch comedy group called murder fist which yep. is pretty in line with like a lot of uh i feel like uh the same aesthetics and we did that in new york city and and my buddy john and i uh and i use big finger quotes with this listen to a quote unquote ironically we fucking loved it we were trying to <laughs> you know but you know what i mean it was some we were fucking fronting and like we got into that in that way again and then i think all these years later especially with all the history with the evolution of the gathering of the juggalos watching and like even feeling so weird when like magnets became a huge cultural phenomenon and i'm like oh weird like people are talking about this who i would never have thought would be talking about icp uh for better or for worse but i think at the end of the day like they've been in amazing sports about it uh and then onward up till now i'm just like no i just genuinely love these cats i think they stand for really good stuff and i think that they serve a real it necessary they serve a purpose in our society i think I like i think that the whole subculture of juggalos everybody needs community and i know this is of course get ready for it everybody needs a fucking family mm. and i love family, family. and i family. love shit like this that 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 music for the outcasts music for the people who feel like they've been like shuffled aside or that you know watch like pretty people on social media or television and stuff and i'm just like this is not me like i don't you know and i've always had issues with authority and yeah. things of that nature and i've always been drawn to any type of music that pushes back and kind of goes against the grain in these ways and so this whole week i've just had so much fun like i i could literally watch and you have kind of this endless hours of like gathering footage and it just makes me want to go to one so bad because I, and I think I needed just one on sale, man. You thinking about going this year? I mean, I I was looking at the ticket prices and stuff. Like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. Now that I'm pushing forty, I'm like I kind of need to live that RV life. I think y'all but. on the real, <laughs> y'all should reach out and like, are you interested in performing? I I would love to. Well, last podcast, <laughs> I'm not left. even joking. After this episode, I'm going to get so many jars of human feces <laughs> flung at my fucking 
face. That one's so, all yours, Holden. I would. I mean, tequila tequila me so fast. I'm just going to get Andrew WK'd up the fucking face. <laughs> Marcus Parks, uh, actually, I think they did look into it. I think they were. Uh, so our oh, kind of our father podcast is last podcast on the left. We're a part of the last podcast network. I'm saying this to a oh, yeah. humble among. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. So, so you, I know. I know. <laughs> so, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Guys. Oh, hell yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Marcus, uh, he he uh, has definitely, I think, looked into it a little bit. And we've always talked about going at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would would absolutely do it i think it would be super fun and um you know sometimes they throw shit at you out of love jake so it's like you know it doesn't even have to be here's the thing (laughs) i think you guys would be so surprised i think you guys would be so pleasantly surprised you said so you said you haven't been to a show though that's what i wanted to touch on yeah i can't believe and i can't believe it's such a huge uh mark on me i feel like I, i need to go see a show with my history with the shit i have a very similar history as you um I became a fan, Great Malenko, uh, Amazing Jekyll Brothers era, about that same time. Um, I was on board with the shit until Shangri-La, the Wraith Shangri-La happened. And uh-huh, there's a reveal. Uh-huh. There's a reveal at the end of yeah. the Wraith Shangri-La. We, we might be talking about that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it builds to I'll, such I'm gonna a go ahead and drop the reveal now. They reveal that um, uh, the carnival is God. And we've always been behind him. That's uh-huh. how they put it on the song, Thy Unveiling, right? Uh-huh. They, the chorus kicks in and they're like, we tricked you. Yeah, we're not we sorry tricked if we tricked you. Trick. We're not sorry if we tricked you. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the thing about that, though, is I'm like 14, 15 years old at the time. And I had a really complicated relationship with God, you could say, right? As a lot of us did, yeah. And I was like on some fuck God shit. Like, fuck God. Yeah. Internet atheism was strong and like not cringy yet. Yeah. So like every teenage boy worth their salt was like, hey, I've, I've gone ahead and looked at the 3,000 years of Christianity <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to say nah. I'm going to say nah, dog. So I was, I basically, you know, I me and I know I'm not the only juggalo that did this shit. I jumped off the fucking bandwagon. I was like, nah, and I, I, you know, I was making music at the time. I, I drifted off into like nerdcore and like alternative hip hop, like Sage Francis and Atmosphere uh-huh. and shit like that. Yep. And uh, but here's the thing: I came back all these years later. I would I would check in with them, similar to what you're describing, and I would see the magnet shit and I'd be like, oh man, I remember when I used to be a fan of these guys. Oh boy. Uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> here's what happens. They finally were touring and coming to my area. And I saw that they were coming to my area. And I was doing I, I was like, man, I've been listening to their stuff again recently. I've been really digging that shit. I should go see them live. I never ended up seeing them live. I should really do that. So I went I went to a show in Worcester, Massachusetts at the Palladium, a classic clown town type of show. Right. They blew my mind. Uh, I saw the Fago flying. Right. And that it like, and they opened with one of my favorite songs ever, Toy Box from uh, Riddlebox. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Toy, yeah, it's a great one. It felt like that was a message to me. Like, cause that's like one of my favorite ICP songs. And that's, I, to me at the time, I'm like, they don't usually do that song live. Mm. And I was like, man. And I just, that show was magical. And I made the decision that night, like, man, I think I got, I think I gotta go to a gathering. Yeah. I think I gotta go. Um, and I'm, I'm like, and I'm still struggling. Like, am I a juggalo? I don't know. Maybe I'm just a fan of ICP. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just a fan of ICP. Maybe I'm not. a. am pushing against it. You know, I'm resisting. Um, that was in 2018. I did not go to the gathering that year. But what I did do is I watched it on the Internet because YouTube was starting to become a thing where people were streaming more 
still the still early days of streaming, right? But there were some juggalos streaming from the gathering of the juggalos, uh, uh, just on their sh- cell phone, really shitty. But the shit that I found fascinating was sections of streams where people were just walking around. Yeah. And I was like, there's something fascinating about that. And I, you, well, we mentioned, uh, I think before we were rolling, we mentioned uh, Family Underground. Yeah. Another uh, Juggalo documentary. I, I would definitely recommend for, you know, anybody who wants to see a nice, like, kind of, honestly, too, I really like your Humble Among. I really like the, your approach, too, has shot endless hours of, like, the the gatherings you went to. And I love that raw, I'm always, like, drawn to that kind of yeah. raw documentary approach, kind of what you're describing. But I will say, Family the Underground. The only stuff I cut out is the illegal stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. The, the, the Family Underground is definitely a really nice concise hour and a half long you can also watch it for free online um yep, really one. good slice and it doesn't have a if anything it has a positive opinion of a gathering and 100%. it's not the the because i think a lot of uh documentaries about juggalos and a lot especially from certain time periods are very like look at these fucking guys kind of a voice <laughs> to them they're, inherently they're naked but they don't have bodies that you're used to seeing naked isn't that yeah. crazy <laughs> They're not ashamed, even though we in. really wish they'd be. We're trying to make them ashamed. We tried their entire lives to make them ashamed. <laughs> why aren't they ashamed? Why haven't they gotten the program? We said be ashamed. Why, why haven't we broken them yet? <laughs> Half of those online, like, check out these juggalos things is like, why haven't we broken them yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I did that on purpose, by the way. I'm glad you guys noticed that because uh, there is so much sens- sensationalistic shit. And, I mean, y- you can see that kind of stuff everywhere but the things you can't see is like the really what it's like to go to the gathering mm-hmm. and it's a lot of really nice friendly people who um were dealt shitty hands in life yep. and you know a lot of us grew up in fucked up family situation our, our real family quote unquote situation our blood family if you will my family's situation's fucked up i lost my mom at like seven years old really young uh my relationship with my dad is stressed at best um and you know uh, uh, my extended family, I don't really talk to. Um, I don't really have a blood family. Straight up, I feel like an orphan, you know. And uh, the Juggalos, um, the Juggalos uh, uh, definitely provide that kind of a, a thing for me. And I know many other people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're getting into that deep shit already. But my point is, is with I love the documentary it though, man. Stuff, yeah, that's the whole idea of it. Though. I said so with the documentary stuff though. I sat there in 2018, wishing I had gone, watching it online. You know, in 2019, I'm like, I'm going. I'm definitely going. And I noticed in and that I footage, that. you're like, this is my first gathering. Yep. Like, so, so I know you, 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 yeah, you were kind of late to the gathering as well. So it was kind of nice to see it through that lens though, too, because that's how I feel. You know, it, it's like you took me on a little journey through like baby's first gathering in 2019 yep. when it's been so yep. established at this point too. And, and I knew it would be fascinating because it is my first gathering. Like the viewer themselves would also be brought in. Like it's your first Come on, come on. Let me show you what it's like because I've never experienced I, yeah. this either. I love it, man. Before we uh, really get into it, I just want to share my introduction sure. to the world of Insane Clown Podcast. Yes, please. Please do it. Uh, it was 1998 <laughs> and I voluntarily went to fat camp uh, and it was there that the chubby forgotten children of America uh, gathered together and it was there that I learned how to play uh, Magic the Gathering for the first yep. time. It was there that I read my first Dragon Ball manga and it was there uh, when we were talking about music. Uh, when I was like, oh, I think I like Eminem, uh, that a, a young fan, not a, not an avowed juggalo, uh, was like, 
fuck that shit. You got to listen to ICP. And on his disc, man, he played me the Needin game in his, or Nedin game? Nedin game. Yeah. And uh, I remember specifically <laughs> just the lingering horror in my in my soul. I love how the opposite. I was like, "Yeah!" No, give he, it to he me. started. It was he screamed in my face <laughs> after your mom does the dishes and the silverware. I'll try fuck her till I nut in my underwear. Yeah. And I was just like, "This is unpleasant. <laughs> I'm not having fun right now." So I think it maybe is the guy screaming in your face. More that- about <laughs> the guy. More about yes. the guy and. Yeah, but also the you know the flow could have been better, but that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's not about that. So funny, man. It's about saying fuck the world. Yeah, uh, yeah and I, I, I we'll get and we'll definitely get some more of Jake's impressions as he's revisited <laughs> the catalog of Insane Cloud Fosse over the past week. I mean, I definitely had some eye opening moments too myself. Uh, you know, I mean, they've come a long way since Carnival of Carnage, and even in is content wise and everything else, it's really been incredible to see their journey and to see where they've gotten to. I mean, I highly recommend stuff like um, both Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope have done separate interviews on Steve-O's Wild Ride podcast yeah. that are phenomenal. And those are more recent ones. And especially the Vi- Violent J one, because you really get a sense of where they've where, where they've how far they've come. You know, everything. Every time they talk about stuff like the Eminem beef or, you know, and, you know, any kind of even like people getting booed off the stage or whatever on like uh, at the gathering. And, and, you know, it's not just like clowns don't just laugh and then they go and then they like like uh, uh scream uh go fuck yourself or whatever they're like no nah, man we don't we don't want that to happen we, we don't want people to get booed <laughs> off we we try to help them we try to you know sometimes it just doesn't work and you know that kind of they stuff give them the talk they give them the yeah. talk and shit. I mean, it's also fun to watch them on Howard Stern, you know, shitting on Sharon <laughs> okay. Osbourne and, and oh, see, hell yeah, you know. Dude. So that's actually the first, some of the first times I ever saw the clowns was oh, watching well, yeah. Howard Stern late at night. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, like, understand what they were fully. <laughs> like, I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> like that and seeing them on pro wrestling. Yeah. Like, it was all like a mishmash of, like, seeing them in different places but not fully understanding them. Like, they're it, getting... They're, they're bizarre. Yeah. When you first see them with the dreadlocks and the paint, they're bizarre. It's a lot to take in. Yes. Especially when they're behaving the way they behave. Yes. Well, 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 who hasn't wanted to deliver a fundamentally technically perfect dropkick to the back of Fred Durst? <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> The form was excellent. I, I feel even, like not a lot of people so so he like gave him enough credit oh, man, for just so like much with that. I didn't even that rewatch that. There's been there's so much going on in their history because that's the other thing, by the way. Um, man, it really sucks for us when somebody has a three decades long history that we decide to cover. Come on, on four. Shit, it's so it is so all right, which means we got to get into it. We have so much to cover. This is gonna be a long yeah, one. Let's go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. 
Sherry University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Insane Clown Posse, the hip-hop act featuring Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope. Uh, and besides the 16 albums they put out, they have an independent record label called Psychopathic Records. Uh, they produced and starred in a couple of feature films and even formed their own pro wrestling promotion while also hosting a yearly festival, The Gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, let's start with our two main players. First off, you've got Joseph Frank Bruce, Violent J, born uh, Joseph Frank Bruce in Berkeley, Michigan. Do we have to say he's the chubby one? Sure. We, like, just in case. He's the, he's the Yeah, exactly. He's the chubby one. He's the youngest of three in, in the household uh, when he was... But uh, by the way, love that in the iconography too. I haven't talked about how important I iconography is and how well they do with that by the way we'll kind of get into it as we go but like the fact that there's like a chubby one and a skinny one <laughs> is also like just it, it's such clear identifiers much less the face paint the hatchet man the the joker cards like it's just so good for like getting keyed into you know a subculture and like linked to a bunch of people i love it so much uh but anyways when he was just two years old his father left the family the only only memory he has of his dad is when he threw a TV set at his mother during an argument, and she actually had to pull Violent J out of the way so that he didn't get hit by the television. Violent J said the last thing they did together was to pull all the money out of their joint bank account so they could divide it up and go their separate ways. Going out to the driveway, Rick suddenly grabbed all the money from my mom's hands, jumped in his homie's car, and just took off. That was the last my mom ever seen of him. He never paid for no child support or nothing. My mom was just left assed out. That's why if I ever meet my real dad again nowadays, I have no choice but to whip his ass. That, I believe, is also, by the way, from Behind the Paint, uh, which which is a f- yep. fantastic autobiography put out that is not in print. And I'm so bummed out. So if anybody it has is, a hard it copy, it is in print. Oh, it is. In oh, okay. How do you Psych- get it? Psychopathicvault.com. Psychopathicvault.com. Okay. okay. You get a copy. It's just not on Amazon. Hell no. You I'm can't so get that lazy. on Amazon. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also available to borrow on the internet archive. Oh, there you go. Uh, let me, let me, t- let me, let me, let me give you a pro tip too. Uh, uh go to YouTube and check out that audiobook version mm. oh. because he reads it. And he adds all this extra shit. Oh, cool. That is so funny. A hundred percent recommend it just for shits and giggles. It's so long. uh, uh, Just without added commentary, it's like 600 pages, a thick ass book. I want to say it's like 20 something hours. Yeah, that's fucking right. Something like that. So, yeah, they were they were, of course, very poor. Uh, Berkeley was a decent suburb of Detroit. Uh, Violent J did have a lot of fun as a kid. He essentially just talks. He was a latchkey kid. His mom worked at a janitor at a nearby church, and she did the night shift a lot. So kids out at night fucking around. I mean, he said essentially until you hit middle school and people started caring about what clothes you were wearing and stuff like that. Like you don't know because you're just a kid. So he speaks pretty kindly about like his earlier years, but obviously that changes as he gets older. But still, also obviously everything with his dad. I mean, a spoiler alert for both of these guys they came out of sh- hell they lived in shit they 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 are the thing you know like they they definitely didn't have there's no surprising story here of like well actually shaggy two dove went to private school you know what i mean or whatever <laughs> an important story from childhood happened when 
Violent J was seven years old, and he and his brother caught a butterfly that they thought was really beautiful. They kept the creature with them overnight to release the next day. However, the butterfly died before they were able to. And since then, every ICP album uh, and uh, EP uh, is, quote, dedicated to the butterfly. Joseph William Utzler, Shaggy Two Dope, he also grew up in and around the Detroit area and lands in Oak Park, a suburb of Detroit for elementary school years. Shaggy's dad stuck around just a little bit longer. He abandoned the family at uh, nine, uh, nine years old, uh, and his mother managed to Taco Bell. He described his parents as, quote, big time hippies. And John had an older brother he was very close with named also named John, along with a half brother, several stepbrothers, big family, uh, though his mother played a lot of Bob Seger, the Beatles, Queen and Motown growing up Two dope really turned to run DMC as his major childhood influence, along with many other early rap acts, uh, especially local ones. And he taught himself how to scratch records in the fifth grade after hearing the Herbie Hancock song, Rocket. So that was kind of interesting. So, yeah, let's get into Inner City Posse, the first uh, incarnation before they moved over. I just want to acknowledge uh, Shaggy Two Dope. He's the artist of, like, most of the Joker cards, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. That's fucking right. He does at least, uh, nowadays, he does the initial sketches, from what I understand, and this other guy, uh, Tom Wood kind of polishes them up and finalizes them cool cool they um, like amazing savant like graphic design character yeah. design they're such compelling yeah, iconography ringmaster riddle box i mean carnival carnage two people still have carnival carnage carnage shirts they rock you're wearing jackal brothers uh great malenko uh, and the and I've you know there's so many wraith like tattoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean there's so there you can just so hang your hat on these images as a way to represent and also bring you in especially to and we'll get into how I mean they learned so much from pro wrestling and applied it to oh, hip hop. Yeah. It was so smart of them, but really having these really splashy images hit you in the face because even just from experience, like as a kid, I was immediately on board, especially when it was like. Great Malenko had was the the last album they had put out. That was the fourth Joker card. So to have my friend be like, "There's six Joker cards," mm-hmm. and when the sixth Joker card comes out, it's going to be the apocalypse. <laughs> is what he told me. And I was like, "What?" And like hearing that, that I'm, I'm into comic books. I'm in, you know. And at that time, the it was, end will consume us all. Right? That's how they yeah, put it in the yeah, book, yeah. And the it was end like, will consume us all. And like, I as remember a kid, my fat camp friend bringing that up. Yeah. He was very into the apocalyptic forebodings of the insane clown posse. But think about that time, like in comic books and shit, you had all the hologram variants and mm-hmm. all this very like strong uh, uh, imagery and things hitting you. Like it just was so right in line with that. And I'm like, I got to collect all of them. I mean, it's the apocalypse. I have to get them all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, so Joe meets Joey in 1989 after his mother moves him to Oak Park. They share a love of pro wrestling, and together with Joey's brother, John, and their friend, Lacey, they would hold backyard wrestling matches. And they also get way into hip-hop at this time. Their new acts like Third Base, Beastie Boys, and NWA hitting the scene, gangster rap especially, with like NW- everything NWA and after. And after getting frustrated with the politics of amateur pro wrestling, they turn to music. Mike, do you guys know anything about like what they were wrestling, like the the... Their gimmicks, their yeah, their promotion. gimmicks or anything when they were doing amateur wrestling. Yeah, so like, um, Jay's gimmick was something called Hector Hatchet. You can actually check this out. Oh, there's okay. some um footage that Shaggy just showed on the Shaggy Show a couple of weeks back. 
of uh, Hector Hatchet wrestling locally in Detroit. I think it's Ringmaster era footage. Um, and then uh, Shaggy had a gimmick called the Sewer Dweller, where he would come <laughs> out. This is like I, about the same era. I, I think they had other gimmicks when they were kids, though, because they started like straight up backyard wrestling. Yeah, there's a, there's a story they tell about going to a train yard to get like uh, railroad ties, and they 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 drag them all the way from the train yard and they bang them into the ground uh, with these like hammers and shit into like wet grass essentially to make a a backyard wrestling ring and they wrap like uh, a garden hose for the ropes and they, yep. they would throw shows in their backyard. Um, I think, oh man, I think white tiger, I think white tiger was one of Shaggy's gimmicks from back then. Jump steady. His, uh, uh, violent Jay's brother was involved more with the pro wrestling stuff back then. I think he had a couple of gimmicks, but it was just all the kids in the neighborhood would essentially just kind of like throw on these wrestling shows in Jay's backyard. I mean, if you want to get deeper into the lore, obviously the canonical tome is Backyard Wrestling 2. There goes the neighborhood for the PlayStation 2, <laughs> which I hear is a very decent wrestling game. Both of them are supposed to be great. I think an important element of them at this time, though, to remember is like this wasn't just kids fucking around like this wasn't just their hobby. They knew they were going to be pro wrestlers. They knew deep in their soul. And that's why, like, school, they were like, fuck school, because they were in class. They were like, how does this apply to pro wrestling? All I want to do is be a pro wrestler. That's it, period. So what is the point of learning trigonometry? You know what I mean? Like, it is just doesn't apply. You know, and of course, they uh, I, I, at least what, Violent J at least drops out of school, right? Or I think they, they do they both, right? They both dropped out. Yeah, they yeah, both are dropped uh, out. And essentially, the only reason why like, they, they end up turning away from pro wrestling is, like, just the politics and everything something that they would actually come back into contact with when they got to do stuff on uh now wwe but at the time it was wwf they remember kind of re-entering the locker room at first and just getting that shade you know what i mean like that little kind of turned shoulder on them you know because like uh they just weren't like up up in the hierarchy and stuff and uh so i so it definitely was like a thing for them and kind of the start of their rebelling against whatever the industry is at the time, which is hilarious that like the industry in this case is amateur pro wrestling circuit, like barely an industry, but they're like, fuck this. We got to figure out our own thing. So Joseph Bruce, uh, AKA violent J's first rap handle was jagged. Joe, Joey Utzler, uh, AKA shaggy Two dope started out as Kangol Joe and his brother in the crew was master J as the JJ boys. They released their first single party at the top of the hill and together they form the inner city posse a gangster rap crew and in 1990 they record intelligence and violence with a rapper d lyrical whom violent violent j apparently didn't like d lyrical but he had a karaoke machine Mm. and in order to drop an album they needed that karaoke machine so they just kind of dealt with the guy fun fact Uh d lyrical still is hanging around the gathering oh really still um i met d lyrical in 2019 and uh I wish I could tell that story, man. I <laughs> but it's so, it's so lit. It's I, like, uh, it's oh, like when it's you go so to the good. sci-fi convention and there's like a weird old guy who was just like an extra in Star Trek: The Original Series, and he's like, "That's right, I was there. I was there. <laughs> oh, who you, wants an autograph?" Shouts out to D Lyrical. You're you're more you're more on the money than you realize. But shouts out to D Lyrical anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. By this time, Joseph Bruce uh, was now Violent J. Joseph Utzler is too dope. He had Shaggy 
to it a little later. Uh, and with his brother under the monocle, moniker, hilariously, of John Kick Jazz. Uh, they also had. They also that had sounds a, like the best indie game that hasn't been made yet. <laughs> yeah, totally. They also had another member, John Road, as Kid Villain. Uh, and they they did at this time enjoy doing the crimes. They were definitely like embracing the gangster rap thing and also getting into you know petty theft and things like that. And uh, that meant Donnie stints- Brooks down at the old five and dime. Yeah, that this meant stints in prison. Uh, but eventually they do start gigging in nightclubs and you know they they market themselves as a real gang, not just rappers. During this phase, which is kind of hilarious if you know what happens with them later with the FBI. We're definitely going to talk about that when we get there. But uh, they were kind of like, yeah, we're the real deal and everything and following suit. Uh, And then they recorded an EP titled Basement Cuts and sold it around themselves with another EP that followed titled Dog Beats. And this is shit you can get on YouTube. Um, Some of it's even on Spotify. If you scroll all (laughs) the way down past Carnival of Carnage, uh, you can find it. I think think Intelligence and Violence and all that stuff is even on streaming. Yeah. All that stuff's on streaming these days. Yeah, it's crazy. So you can get all that rudimentary stuff and it's definitely pre-ICP. It's them trying to just be straight up gangster rap. And this is the early 90s too yeah so like this is, is some of this is in the 80s yeah because i was about to say now it's 1991 and kid villain drops from the group they managed to land a manager at this time uh the owner of the record store hot hits his name is alex abyss yeah. uh and alex will later establish psychopathic records for them the gangster rap association came of course with several problems since it was a big genre at the time of rap they had trouble sticking out and at the same time, also, as they're getting more popular, other real gangs are, like, coming after them and shit, you know? Like, uh, you would even see there was graffiti. I forget what I was watching. It was a documentary, but it was it said ICP, and next to it, it was a different spray paint. Obviously, it's the, the, K. the letter K, yeah, which is that, essentially... That, that basically means there's a hit out on you, they were explaining in the documentary. So, like, basically, like, there's a hit out on the inner city posse. Real shit happening here. Like, this was not... They were not fucking around. So, uh, you know... Uh, now we, let, let, let's take a little divergence. I just want to get uh, do a brief explanation of the rise of horrorcore rap. Oh, all right. Absolutely. So through the eighties, horror became a massive genre of film, and with the rise of popularity of monsters like Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Chucky, and more, the Gremlins, the, the Gremlins, critters. dude. We had the Critter Crew, dude. I remember Critter Crew, bro. They weren't fucking around. There's a bunch of tiny ones of them, and they were all like rapping and shit. Uh, you even had DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince releasing a Nightmare on My Street. The Fat Boys put out. Are you? Ready for Freddy for the movie Nightmare on Elm Street 4, <laughs> The Dream Master, my personal favorite in the series in 88. Uh, cool Keith actually claims he invented horrorcore with his debut solo album, Dr. Octagon Ecologist, in 1996, one of my favorite uh, rap albums actually of all time. The term was first used, though, in the group KMC's 1991 album, uh, Three Men with the Power of Ten. They apparently used the phrase horrorcore. And now we're going to talk about Esham. Isham was a rapper out of Detroit who grew up listening to Run DMC as well as Ozzy and mixed with the effect of the crack epidemic on Detroit, had him and his people referring to the city streets and at that time as hell. His first album, Boomin' Words from Hell, dropped in 1989, and he rapped a lot about the devil and a lot about the shit that was going on in the street, and it had a metal edge to it. 
And all of that made it really difficult for him at that time to gain a fan base. But it was also completely like busting the doors off of what would become horrorcore rap. And Violent J meets Isham in 1991. And he's like one of the people who was like, dude, I love your shit. Mm -hmm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University... We know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. So Violent J decides the group should move in a new direction and feels Detroit could be known as the horrorcore city, just like L.A. was the epicenter of gangster rap, which this is, by the way, such a brilliant move because everybody was trying to be it was, you know, and even as a a big fan. You know, uh, 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 upper middle, lower upper class white kid in the suburbs. You know, I was blasting <laughs> three six mafia and uh, Snoop Dogg and the Chronic and everything else you could name. You know, in the car going to see the newest Adam Sandler movie in the movie theater. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what we were. Tra- you know, smoking cigarettes, hoping our no, parents didn't see. You know what I mean? But even I would admit, like, wow, this is all kind of starting to be a little samey. You know what I mean? And and they were so smart to try to stick out and stretch out in a different way and seeing what Isham was doing and everything. And so they, first of all, they want to change names to mark this change in direction uh, for the group. Uh, but Shaggy Too Dope suggests maybe we should keep the ICP initials because we don't want people to think we like went away or whatever. We are we want to like stick with that. Keep a sense of continuity. A little sense of continuity. And Violent J is the one who pushes them towards the clown thing because he starts having dreams of a clown running around Del Rey with a hatchet and uh, so they decide to don the clown paint for appearances and then Jay had another dream like literally like I believe the night they came up with all this he went home had this dream that involved quote spirits in a traveling carnival end quote which led to the dark carnival mythology he talks about it being a clown he talks about it being the literal carnival of carnage clown dropping joker cards that's the dream. Wow. That's how he, he speaks. About I thought it. So that's awesome. There's like a bunch of different versions of this origin story, though. Yeah, there's sure. like They had a hype man who did like a clown gimmick that that's was true like too. popping off at live shows. The clown on the cover of uh, Dog Beats is that hype man. There's a clown hanging gotcha. upside down on Dog Beats. That's that's also the origin of it. Gotcha. In United States of Insanity, they claimed that like they just had 
Halloween clown wigs at one of their shows and they put it on as a goof. Yeah, I think was... that was part of the hype man thing. Okay. I think that was like they were rocking those clown wigs, the hype man guy. But the <laughs> hype man was getting more over than they were. They noticed. <laughs> the hype man would come out and everyone would love him because he would be doing all the. the and so they were they were definitely paying attention to that, that the theatrics were getting over. Well, mm-hmm. totally. And I love. All right. So I have this great quote from Violent J talking about the whole Detroit music scene and gimmicks yeah. and pro wrestling. So here it is. This is from Violent J. When you look at us with clown paint, very strange indeed, right? Mm -hmm. But when we came up, Detroit rap was very much like the WWF. There were very defined characters. That was a big thing in Detroit. When I look at the history of Detroit music, I see a lot of that too. Kiss wasn't from Detroit, but this is one of the cities that popped for them. Same thing with Alice Cooper, who who was featured on uh, Great Malenko. This is one of the cities that really popped for him. When we came up, Detroit had Isham, who was coming out on stage in a cough he had a big 666 on his shirt and rapped about the devil and we were terrified of him we were like fuck is he really like that and then you and then you had the polar opposite you had kid rock riding a tractor in his video with a cowboy hat on and some overalls who was doing that back then nobody you had a group called detroit's most wanted and they used to dress up like mafia guys detroit rap had characters gimmicks the whole face paint thing made a lot more sense in detroit than it did elsewhere detroit was about characters something you could uh, could make a comic book or an action figure about that was very much part of his swag it was very much part of his character i tell rappers that a lot have things about you that i can recognize right away and i feel like gangster rap was the opposite it had a very specific uniform with like the flannel and the like white t-shirt and like the the do-rag or the bandana or whatever and the jeans no, like it was your authenticity mm-hmm. it was the the idea that there was no character right. that you are getting a direct pipeline to a lived extreme romanticized experience that like if everybody's doing it, it all just becomes kind of mushed together. Right, right. You know, and I love that Danny Brown does a verse for them later on in life, but like that's the kind of acts that come out of Detroit. They pop in these really fun, unique ways. Like there's no one out there like Danny Brown, you know? Shout and out I love Danny that, Brown. I love yeah, that. Yeah, he's awesome. He's yeah, he's great. I actually met Danny um, oh, cool. in 2021. Uh, right before he had his meltdown on stage <laughs> at the gathering. <laughs> oh my god, that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing in itself. Uh, yeah, and I love this about them too. Their first album, As Clowns, is titled Carnival of Carnage, and it's released in 1992. And all that shit is just immediately there. Like their entire aesthetic. I mean, I think their sound has improved. I think their flows have improved, and some of the content too. I mean, there's some really unfortunate tracks on that yeah, album. Some stuff that does not age well. <laughs> Very pro beating women yeah, on that black album. Your eyes uh, black and eyes is rough yeah, man uh, but 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 one thing that has maintained this whole time with your rebel flag i mean yeah. f- uh, that track holds up like a motherfucker like i think that is a great i was listening to that <laughs> going to tj at trader joe's <laughs> to get some uh, groceries for my baby uh i was blasting that song and fucking feeling it and pissed off because the fucking traffic in the parking lot was too full of cars and everybody was making me angry and i was just screaming that uh it was so fun uh, I will say too. At this point, John Kick Jazz has verses on six of the songs on the album. He ends up quitting the group just before the album's release. It was one of those. It was taking too much of his time away. He wasn't as invested. All that kind of stuff. And they also tactically got a couple of guests on the album: uh, Isham and Kid Rock. Mm-hmm. Valent J said. 
In Detroit, we were trying to get a record store chain called Harmony House to carry our product. Harmony House had 33 stores. If you got Harmony House to pick you up, it was a big deal. That distributed you everywhere through Michigan instead of just the mom and pops. To get with Harmony House, we did a track with a guy named Isham, who was really big in Detroit, and Kid Rock, who was really big also in Detroit. But us getting those guys on our album, that automatically propelled us into Harmony House. Harmony House said, if you got Isham and Kid Rock, then it must be something on that level. So they accepted our first album. And this is going to be one of the first times they use incredible ingenuity to like break out and get their shit out there and sold. The amount of hustle is cannot be denied because like just there's a a story where they talk about in the early days, they were talking to another like hip hop act and they were like, oh, how many albums did you sell? And the act they were talking to was like, oh, we sold like 8,500. And they were like, oh, no. We've only sold like 17. We only sold 17. Yeah. Oh, God. And so they just went ahead and hustled their ass off to meet that number, even though the first guys just lied their asses off to make them feel bad. Uh, Multiple accounts of uh, Violent J just flat out seducing the girls behind the Kinko's counter to get free copies to get all their flyers. I think they were all doing that gimmick, though. I think they were all dating Kinko's girls. All the Kinko's girls (laughs) just getting their hearts broken for those flyers and leaflets. For that key, (laughs) for that copy key. Yeah. It should also be noted that um, they had Mikey Clark, who is a legendary producer already at this time, based out of the Detroit scene. That, you know, Carnival Organ, metal guitar riff, uh, you know. Mixed and had also a- worked with Esham at that point. Yep. He had also yep. recorded Esham's first That album. was a little gateway into Mikey, working with Mikey Clark was the association mm-hmm. there. That's how they met him. Because they saw they saw Mike's name on Esham's album. Yeah. And they were like, let's go to that guy. I don't know how often Mikey Clark's name will come up, but he was a producer during the basically the entire of this uh, ascendant period for them. Uh, he's since worked with uh, a bunch of acts. He's worked with Kid Rock for a long time. And it is uh, he did, in fact, produce one of my least favorite songs of all time uh, <laughs> that uh, goddamn. Oh, God. What was the name of that thing? All Summer Long. All Summer Long. <laughs> oh, I dog, hate funny story. Kid Rock's All Summer Long. <laughs> you want to hear a funny story? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That beat was for Violent J. What? Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, first of all, the cynicism <laughs> of taking the riff from Werewolves of London and Sweet Home Alabama, already like you're on thin ground because that's just, you're just taking like, it's like if I mixed Coke and Pepsi and I was like, I made a new cola. Isn't yeah. it great? You're just like, no, that's already two of the most popular drinks that have ever been produced. <laughs> you can't just be like, I made that. But at the very least, if Violent J got that track instead of Kid Rock, the lyrics would be infinitely better than we were smoking funny things. We were trying funny things like all oh, <laughs> oh, Mikey Clark. You have changed music forever, but you're on my watch list. Watch out, Mikey Clark. Isn't that funny? I knew what song you're talking about. That's amazing. Too. I, I knew immediately. That's amazing. Then there's also the establishment of their fans being called Juggalos, which is derived from the third track on Carnival of Carnage called the Juggler. This prompted Violent J to address the audience as Juggalos during a 1993 concert, and the rest is history. Apparently, the response was just huge to that, yeah. and then that's just that's how that's where, where we got it from. Because he from would there. Do, they would do this like Daz effects, like Juggalo, Juggalo, in like like kind of like flipping the words thing. They would do that a lot on their old yeah. rhymes, and that I think 
I think he says Juggalo in Juggalo. If you listen to it, like uh-huh. he's flipping the rhymes and he says Juggalo, Juggalin, Juggalo, like something like that. And it's sampled on what is a Juggalo, I think, in the very beginning. And if you really need the full rundown of what a Juggalo is, I have a great track for <laughs> yeah. you. It is on Great Malenko, <laughs> and it's called What Is a Juggalo. And it's one of my favorite tracks of theirs, actually. And, what is a Juggalo? Oh my God, he gets butt naked and. Uh, <laughs> Great. I'm trying to remember. Puts all the a weave in his nut hair. Yeah, he puts a weave in his nut hair. I know that. He does that. He's he gets too drunk and he starts hugging people. Then he gets to a fight. Like a drunk bitch. Yeah, and then he gets then he gets to a fight. And then he starts hugging again. I think that's another one. Uh, it's great, man. I love it. What a delightful kind of person to be. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to come back to we 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 briefly mentioned, but it needs a little bit more un, uh, unpacking. The there is a heavy again dose of misogyny and homophobic lyrics in these early albums, and I would at least like to say the guys have really walked this back a lot in more recent yeah, years, especially Violent J. Violent J is um definitely uh, uh, talked about this a couple of different times. Oh yeah, I, I mean think there was an article that came out about it where he talked to an interviewer about it. He he's direct he's directly talked about it on streams and interviews before too he's uh his kids really got got yeah, on about, yeah. about that stuff i really appreciate what he has to say and 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 his takes on it here's here's a really good fat quote we'll get this out of the way right now from violent j we were also crazy homophobic back in the day and now my daughter says dad why did you say this and i say because your dad was a fucking fool yeah. i hate to blame ice cube but we wanted to be like ice cube we wanted to be like gangster rap and gangster rap said it all the time and we had a gay producer yeah. our producer Producer was gay and he didn't give a fuck. It was just us three in the studio night and day, night and day making these albums. It was something that didn't come up. It was just part of life back then. We wanted to be hardcore and that's why we did it, you know? And when I look back now, what can I say? We didn't have an excuse. I can tell you this. There was never a time when we had a problem with gay people. It was just the word being thrown around like asshole. It was just something we called each other all the time. Just a bunch of dumb asses. There's no excuse excuse i was going with the flow and that's the very thing we preach against yeah being a sheep and that's what i was doing and i love that take me too i'm really glad that he does he he did do stuff like that because honestly it's some of the cringiest moments i have listening to old icp is when those words get brought up because i have a lot of gay friends i got a lot of trans friends there's a lot of gay and trans juggalos they talk about they're like it's there's a ton of gay juggalos we've we hate this part of things and you know i but i'm gonna dude we, if you li- were a high school kid listening to gangster rap, I mean, dude, there's so much shit on, uh, you know, Death Row Records that is so terrible towards women, homophobia. Obviously, uh, Eminem has been—it's been a huge yeah. issue for me enjoying yeah. his music, especially going back to his like early albums. No matter how good those flows are, it's like it, it's just—it's tough, man. And and I'm glad that they've reckoned with it in a way that I feel like other artists have especially not, especially rappers. Yeah. not a lot of—you ra- don't find a lot of rappers talking about that stuff. That yeah, it's way. almost. Like like there's a Not a lot of huge issue in that community with homophobia. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, with their second album, Ringmaster, the duo established the concept of the six Joker cards that will lead to something big. The Ringmaster, the overseer of the Carnival of Carnage, he's the one of the group, uh, the entities that judge whether a soul goes to heaven or hell. And the card acts as a warning to not turn one's back on basic morals throughout life. Bruce says that they, quote, wanted to make a statement to direct our energy. We wanted to mix comedy and horror and 
and hold it up like a mirror to a city full of gangsters and scrubs like us. Also, yeah, and 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 I forgot to also mention kind of talking about that stuff. I I think we'll get to a quote later actually about it how they were like, yeah, we talked about all this fucked up shit so that we could like bring everybody in and then we could start like yeah. trying to get good <laughs> messages across, but you can't just show up and be like, "Hey kids, God is great." You know what I mean? And like have yeah. anybody be like uh go with you on that at so all. So this is a, this is continuing my villain arc on the podcast Please. is, you know, the, the a you lot brute. of the morality especially in these early albums is like it's the same instinct of like a dad on Facebook when there's like a a crime report and he's like, "Oh, if I saw that bad guy, I would like uh kidnap him and keep him in my shed and I'd like rip his nipples off." And it's like if you're go- like there's something in the psyche that it's like, "Well, I recognize this deep need for violence and cruelty and i know that's weird and unacceptable so if i just name a thing everybody agrees is bad i can go hog wild like hog shit all over it so it's always just like i'm gonna fucking split the wig and then i'm gonna pull the teeth out and then i'm gonna shove a hot poker now we're talking and wiggle it about you gotta lay some you gotta lay some tracks down jake yeah, spit that shit. <laughs> but I'm, ta- I'm talking about a wife beater it's cool it's cool i was talking about a wife beater it's like my impression of a lot of that welcome to the house stuff. of horrors and, jake you know this is something i talk about a lot honestly because it's like on the surface level a lot of people might only hear that part you know mm-hmm. my only oh, here i hate it the, uh, i hate it when the, the wig are, splitting yeah. and the the ripping the teeth out but they might miss the fact that it's a big mm-hmm. that that's happening to they might miss that part and they might have a i don't know a false idea of what these clowns are mm-hmm. and i don't think icp necessarily cares or minds that that misunderstanding happens yeah in fact i think they lean into it sometimes yeah on purpose yeah totally also, by the way, in 1994, they put on their first Hallow Wicked concert, an annual Halloween live show that is probably only seconded by the Gathering of the Juggalos in terms of must-see yearly events for fans. And also, also during the tour, more importantly, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope, they started keeping the budget soda Fago on stage with them. <laughs> <laughs> As they had referenced it multiple times in their songs. So they, they say that yeah. they've they've been doing that every show. They've every show they've had a Fago there, but it was one show in particular where they I don't know, the crowd did something that pissed Jay off and he shook it up and sprayed it at him because he just and they loved it. <laughs> and so they're like, well, fuck, we're doing that every fucking show, I guess, because that was awesome. <laughs> and now it's so aggressive just watching. And like, once again, that's similar to the clown though. Yeah. It's similar to the clown on stage. And them noticing, oh, that theatric got over. Let's mm-hmm. just do that. Yeah. Let's just do that. They follow the success in a way that is really, really smart. Like yeah. they, you know, that that's kind of the whole thing with their MO. And I love characters like this where I think their whole rep is like, these are like high school dropout, uh, white trash goobers who are uh, dressed up as clowns. And then you look at their strategy and you look at how they've not only stayed relevant, but continue to expand their empire year after year after year. And you're like, holy shit. These guys are fucking brilliant. Like this is they just they're always on on the fucking, you know, on the rise and and they never slow down, it seems like. Um, And uh, speaking of which, in 1995, ICP signs with Jive Records subsidiary uh, Battery Records, which was meant to be their first national release, a big step up for the group. And this resulted in Riddlebox, which pushed them more and more into the realm of theatricality and the music and the skits on the album. Uh, And this album is also the first to include Legs Diamond, also known as Richard Morell, who was a guitarist for a Detroit rock outfit called Coup Detroit, and he contributed 
guitar and vocals to multiple ICP albums, starting with this one. Uh, and Riddle, Riddlebox itself, uh, yeah, the Jack in the Box deciding one's fate. And uh, it wasn't um, it wasn't quite what it seemed. This is their first uh, major labels go get fucked moment. The label sucked ass and folded not long after signing ICP, and they did not really support them at all. And they ended up having to travel around themselves to record stores to get their albums sold, which eventually did pretty well and made its way into stores. And the crazy way that they did that was they threw a few darts at a map uh, essentially, and kind of randomly picked. I think one was like Madison, Wisconsin. That didn't one didn't work out as well. But they end up going to to uh, Dallas, Texas, and just focusing Dallas and just hitting Dallas so fucking hard. Total DIY effort, getting their records in stores, and end up just creating this massive juggalo contingency there. And this is another great example of how smart they were with their grassroots effort and expanding outside of Detroit, getting their shit like over nationally. And this is what leads to the great Malenko. Finally, ICP gets signed to a major label. Disney uh, owns Hollywood Records. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, somehow, someway, this deal is made and an album is cut without Disney having any real idea of who they were working with. This is what well, the- Detroit was popping off. Eminem, Kid Rock. Like, you know, it's, it's a ching, 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 ching. The money trains are calling. Of course, Hollywood Records going to sign on a band with this much fan enthusiasm and hustle and uh, already a library of albums at their back. Like, of course, why not? Who wouldn't sign these bright young men? Apparently they were doing a (laughs) release day album signing when someone walked up to them being like, your album's being pulled off of all of the shelves (laughs) by Disney. That's so, that would have made me insane. They, yeah, Great Malenko gets pulled. The ICP manager, Alex Abbas said, I think Disney is bowing to pressure from the Southern Baptists. All of a sudden they had a change in taking the moral high ground. They pulled the record. They canceled our 25 city tour and Hollywood records released a following statement. Are you sure it wasn't PETA that heard the song chicken hunting and completely misunderstood the lyrics? (laughs) (laughs) That was a thing. People weirdly misunderstood chicken hunting thinking it was like a a racist song cruelty or or an animal. Yeah. Or something like that. When it was, that was, that was, I remember that also, by the way, if you want to make a middle school kid really want to listen to, to an album, tell them that Disney pulled it from shelves. That's really going to make me go out and buy the album for Alex, sure. Th- it's so funny you have a quote from Alex too from that from that because Alex definitely understood that okay, well, this is a bad thing, but let me turn this into a good thing. Yeah, that was when Alex started banging the PR drums. Hell on, yeah, on that shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's honestly probably the first time I think I saw their faces was when that MTV shit broke. I think that might have been the first time uh, I saw their faces. And it was interesting because like they had already made some some changes to the album, which in hindsight was something they act- actively fought against and hated whenever oh, yeah. whenever anyone would ask them to alter anything. So they'd already... Uh, that removed- Ned Game song, that was one of the songs they wanted to take Ned off. Ned Game, Boogie Woogie Woo, which is the number two most popular song on Spotify, I believe, in that top ten. Um, like some of their biggest hits yeah. off of that album were uh, Disney tried to remove... And I think Hallelujah. I think the Hallelujah mm-hmm. as well. The, the song about 
crooked preachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so Island Polygram Records, they end up signing with them and releasing the album a couple months later. They had a huge tour set up. They had to totally like redo and, and, and everything. It was a big game changer for them. I think this was the moment they were like, fuck labels. We're going to do this our own way. You know, we're just going to like do this under psychopathic and like figure out how to do, how to make shit work that way. I mean, I think they work with Island for, for some years to come, but I think they're new. That's a whole thing too, though. Mm-hmm. They hated being on Island towards yeah. the end because Island became a uh, subsidiary with uh, Def Jam. Yeah. Yeah. And the Def Jam did not give a fuck about yeah, ICP. Totally. So they did a gimmick where they uh, dropped two albums called Bizarre Bizarre mm-hmm. to get out of their record contract early. Yep. And I actually have a conspiracy where I think a lot of those Bizarre Bizarre songs are I think Bizarre Bizarre is an early draft of the Six Jokers card, essentially. Ah. I think if you listen to that shit, there's a lot of clues. There's uh-huh. a lot of clues that that was because there's a lot of happy, a lot of happy, silly songs. Oh, yeah. On that shit. And I feel like it's a first draft right. of what the Six Jokers card ended up being. On your recommendation, I actually listened to uh, Bizarre biz- and Bizarre uh, <laughs> this morning. Oh, and yeah. I feel like uh, Bizarre is definitely a stronger offering than Bizarre. <laughs> but. Uh, if it's got two A's, it's A-OK. If it's got two Z's, not that great for me. <laughs> That's a little mnemonic device. So for you, uh, I think I might have. I think I might agree with that one. I think I do like the one with two A's better than the one with two Z's. But uh, yeah, the song "Rainbows and Stuff," uh, very fun. Yeah. I also uh, "Tilt a Whirl" is just straight up a banger. Yeah. It is just straight up a compellingly headbanging. It's song. an awesome video for that song too, by the way. And I love that it has the uh, canonical sequel to uh i stab people yeah right uh creatively called still stabbing (laughs) (laughs) you know we talked about how wow the first time i saw him was through like pro wrestling or heard of him from my friend i think a lot of people first heard of icp with slim anus because you know eminem let's get into the feud eminem became huge overnight uh a giant giant success i remember watching the video for my name is and literally like i went to the store like that day and bought the slim shady uh lp and and was totally mind blown kind of in a similar vein too because i was like oh wow these guys are doing something different they're like applying a lot of humor to rap in a way that i hadn't really heard yet because rap was so fucking serious and i felt like the same way about icp i was like there's jokes in this shit and i love this um just funny because they had such a beef for so long yeah. but well, i have a whole thing where i think eminem was definitely inspired by icp I don't oh think absolutely that's, uh-huh. mm-hmm. i don't think that's a even for sure like, and he pushes back against that pretty hard but i think it's pretty obvious so on his- much of that early promo stuff I do a whole video about the Slim Shady LP where I I go song by song and I name like this is why this lyric right here is why I think there's a there's a line on um shit I'll I'll pull out the best some of the best ones real quick there's a line on uh role model where he talks about uh tying a rope around your dick and hanging it from a tree that's a line that's directly in what is a juggalo that's almost a bite Uh. that's almost a bite because in what is a juggalo he says uh, a juggalo Ties a rope around his dick and jumps out a ten-story window. That's I right. Mean, it's I know not that not even. Yeah, yeah. It's you don't even need to like pull up uh, documents. Yeah. Like it's just literally the opening of just. Uh, he says Fago Hi, on my name is like that. That cloying kind of like I'm a friendly, happy guy, and but I'm actually super violent. Like yeah. that's just completely ICP's entire. Even gimmick. the ad libs, yeah. the cartoony ad libs and shit. 
It's it's, it's all ICP shit. Yeah. But uh, the story goes back to the how that beef started is even Eminem riding ICP's dick because it's so fun. The, this story I'd never heard this before. The story of how this beef started is so funny to me. So Jay's like at the club and. Uh, Eminem comes up to him with a flyer for the Slim Shady EP, which is like the 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 precursor. That's the thing that gets him signed to Aftermath, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's the release party, and it's there's a whole list of names on it of people who might be there. Uh-huh. And ICP's on that might be there list. And Jay's like, "What the fuck is this shit? Might we might be there?" And it's like, "Well, this is me asking you now, man. Will you come?" And Jay's like, nah, man, I ain't coming to your fucking show. <laughs> and he gives him the flyer back. That's how the beef initially started, really. Yeah. Because Eminem takes that animosity. And once he starts to blow up, he gets ballsy enough to say, fuck ICP by my CD mm-hmm. on a track called uh, uh, um, Till Hell Freezes Over. Mm-hmm. And ICP hears that. And they make Slimanus. Yep. They they start like referring to him as Slimanus at points. And then, yeah, they throw out the uh, the uh, Slimanus track in 2000. I remember that being like a big deal. Like that got play like uh, some on Howard Stern. Yeah. Howard Stern played that shit. That's what. Yeah. And and it, it blew up at the, t- at the time. Like ICP was the perfect like literally the Jokers to Eminem's Batman. Like yep. here were these comical like crazy I'm say, I'm speaking this as, through the mindscape of a 15 year old back in like 1998, 1999, where it's just like, yeah, of course, of course, Eminem, our fucking uh, principal infuriating hero, has clown villains that he's <laughs> fighting against. Of course. And Eminem even understood that metaphor because you remember the uh, the Dr. Dre and Eminem stuff where it's Dre as Batman and mm-hmm. M is uh, Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Yep. That that's definitely I feel like a little bit of a there's some there's some subliminal disses to ICP Eminem has done. After that, we're definitely dealing with Jungian archetypes in their most pure <laughs> and visible form. And here's where I wrote in my notes. Then Eminem threw out a skit on the Marshall Mathers LP yep. that involved them and anal sex. <laughs> Just real adult stuff going on over here. The Wicked Clowns, of course, again, hate this part of their history of homophobic insults and beefs. This is uh, this is my final uh, we're sorry quote from Violent <laughs> J. I feel no different than somebody explaining why they were a racist. I hate racists. And I was doing the same fucking thing. It just sucks man it's terrible to think about we're smarter than that as juggalos we're not judgmental how the fuck could we be juggalos and say that it don't even make sense it's the biggest contradiction you could have and it's and somehow it just flew for years it's a terrible thing and the only thing i'll add to that is culturally it was that way people would be like i don't like racist and then turn around and be insanely homophobic Mm -hmm. it it happened for a decade plus before we finally started being like don't we see how this is like the same thing here (laughs) just towards different people but it's apparently I, I do love that it is all water under the bridge now according I to love ICP. the accountability man I love it I, lo- I love yeah, to see that kind I of shit I love that shit I love that shit it makes me really really like them more and me more too. and more and it's and like in a way that is like approachable yeah. it's, you know at no point is or Violent J or Shaggy Tudor being like uh, you know, we microaggressed in the bodies and spaces. Like, no, they're just like, yeah, it was fucked up. It's dumb. Yeah. We're it's we were dumb. It's bad. Yeah, my daughter like hates it, and I have to live with that. And I think that's great. Like, that's just a great way to to get that across. Um, and I haven't even gotten into my absolute love of uh, I believe it's Shaggy Two Dope's daughter's uh, freedom and his support of that. Uh, Jay's, <laughs> you're talking about the furry thing, right? It's yeah. Jay. It's Violent Jay's. Fur- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, has a has a furry child. That was a phase, by the way. That was definitely a phase. 
days. She's uh-huh. long out of. But it was so cool. The the when when he went with with them to the, the furry uh, convention. Uh, convention. It's, it definitely is fresh shopped- that he's such a supportive father that he got his own suit made. Like that's crazy. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I thought I just love that. I, I really, really, really was great, and it makes so much sense. I'm like, yeah, we fucking dress up as clouds, and every they day. raised public awareness about fucking snakes selling <laughs> shitty fursuits. Yes, yeah, yeah, I love that PSA for <laughs> shitty fursuit sellers. Uh, check that out on YouTube. Um, and yeah, I will say it is all water under the bridge. Uh, ICB, it was kind of a beautiful story. Uh, proof from D12, who was like a big, uh, as, as far as uh, Violent J puts, like a big mentor for Eminem. Um, he actually is the one who helped squash the beef. He went in and did a track, uh, did a verse, I think, on a twisted yeah, track, yeah. and just kind of brought the communities together. And- he did like a whole bowling thing too. Uh, members of D12 uh-huh. and Psychopathic Records, and Eminem didn't show up for the shit, but. I heard ICP yeah. was there and like all of Psychopathic and uh, all of D12 except for Eminem were there and they had a bowling match and squashed that shit. That's really awesome. And yeah, as far as as far as Jay and Shaggy are concerned, like that shit is totally squashed. And and he they refer to like it's like high school shit. I wonder if Eminem still carries that shit. Though. Who knows? I, yeah. Eminem was just put into the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Uh-huh. He, he listed so many influences. And, and I did yeah. a video about this. He did not mention ICP or Isham. Yeah. I feel like you should have mentioned And Isham should have too. mentioned some of the Detroit dudes. He mentioned other Detroit dudes oh, who were okay. less popular. He mentioned Awesome Dre and this guy Merciless Amir. Ooh, uh-huh. Those are two Detroit names. They're way lesser known than I Isham mean, or ICP. Even are. if you want to deny the influence of ICP, it's the influence of Isham on Eminem is like, I you can't even possibly deny that. I mean, it's it's right there. But um, all right, this is my this is one of my favorite parts of their whole story is the pro wrestling shit that they got to do. They after abandoning their goals of becoming pro wrestlers and end up becoming rappers, they they make it to all of the biggest stages in pro wrestling. And I think part of it too was like obviously a part of it too was they already had the skills they could just jump in and actually like surprise everybody yeah. with actual uh, uh, wrestling pro wrestling ability they first they get to do uh, an ECW pay-per-view uh, due to their old ties with Sabu who there's Sabu references on like their earliest albums um, Rob Van Dam as well in 1997 they are the musical act, but then they get attacked at the beginning and do a whole thing. And this is, by the way, again, also, it's like the height of of the, of these organizations, too. Like, mm-hmm. this is when ECW was, like, it was some of its strongest years they got to be a part of it. And uh, Violent Chase said, we knew how to wrestle because we were backyard wrestling from 10 until 17. We were doing it big in the backyard. We were putting out flyers in the neighborhood. We had bands playing our wrestling events. You could go off the second rope, top rope, anything because they built the ring with the garden hose and everything and uh, we weren't waiting we ran a whole promotion and then in 1998 they get to be in WWF now WWE's SummerSlam pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden which is followed by several television appearances in 99 they get to wrestle for the other giant at the time WCW and also by the way it's like during like the fucking attitude era this was like such a strong era for wrestling they got to be a part of and and of course, then they start their own wrestling circuit, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, in 1999. And I just think that is so fucking rad that they, you know, wanted to be pro wrestlers and end up getting to wrestle on the hugest stage 
in pro wrestling on all three circuits to all three promotions. It, it came full circle. Yeah. They got their dream anyway. So fucking cool. Um, and they talk about it so lovingly. They're like, I just oh, childhood dream come true. Like yeah. the whole thing. They did talk about how WCW is a lot cooler to them. And maybe that was also because they'd already kind of proven themselves at WWE. But like WWE definitely reminded them of the reason they left a little bit. The the <laughs> politics and the hierarchy yeah. and stuff that they saw. Well, they so. didn't hold up their end of the bargain. They were supposed to that run too. some sort of like minute long commercial for uh, Jekyll Brothers or something and they never ended up doing that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then and their manager was like, walk, they won't air the promotion. They still haven't aired it. And they do actually say they kind of regret that, that they, they wish they had... out on Raw. Yeah, right, on right Raw. Right before they were supposed to go out, they wow. went out the side door. Yeah, which you yeah. don't do that at WWE. That's no, a big no-no. That's, yeah, huge, huge issue. So big no-no. They do regret that, which they had worked that out like better. But regardless, that's still fucking awesome. Hopefully they can get into that Hall of Fame one of these days. I know they're still trying to repair that relationship a little little bit yeah yeah they they belong there for sure by the way shouts out to andy kaufman getting into the hall of fame that shit yeah so oh wow yeah that is yeah he that happened this year right yeah so yeah now we'll get into the the final two joker cards not stick around too long on it we still have some more uh, major stuff to cover like the gathering and the movies and everything um but for the amazing jekyll brothers they wanted to take it to the next level yet again uh like when they bumped up the theatricality for riddle box and for special guests they had snoop dogg and old dirty bastard uh, which is a huge get for them. I think that was like a huge part of legitimizing them. Is you have to remember all through this time and still even more up until more recently, hip hop totally turned their backs on them and they were con- really like by many considered like to not even be legitimate rap. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That was part of my um my reasons of like distancing myself too was because mm-hmm. I was trying to be an artist and. You know, you sit back in the day. It still is like this a little bit. It's getting better, but mm-hmm. back in the day, you say you're a juggalo. A rapper, you're even a fan of the shit. People look at you like, mm, "This shit, no, this, this shit ain't gonna fly." No, no, no. And uh, that still exists a little bit. It's yeah. gotten better, but goddamn, it's it was definitely a, a reason of me wanting to distance myself. Totally, totally. I will say too, by the way, if you're gonna try one, I mean, I'm a Grant Malenko boy, but uh, Amazing Jekyll Brothers is pretty phenomenal yeah, really for. A first listen. I mean, this was their big exactly. like swing to the fences. Like it's when they knew everybody was watching. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And everybody watched them in a feud with Sherrod Osborne <laughs> uh, on Howard Stern around this time. Uh, Sherrod Osborne was a uh, manager at the time of a band called Cold Chamber. <laughs> Look up pictures of them. They're real cool dudes. And uh, ICV ends up kicking them off their tour because the audience is just not responding to them well. Uh, mm-hmm. And Osborne and ICV, they end up duking it out on Howard Stern. Epic. Osborne bets them their next album will not sell 200,000 copies, which ICP accepted. I actually went through a weird phase of my shitty desk job in New York and the 2010s where I was watching a ton of old Howard Stern on like YouTube and I remember watching this and loving it because they yeah he of course in classic Howard Stern fashion he gets them both all fucking riled up and screaming at each other and it's just a great great episode and they did they were great on that show they were so funny and like always lively they were always a good guest on that show and uh, and then we'll get into it the last couple of albums with Mikey Clark uh, the double album Bizarre and Bizarre we talked about that already but then we get to the final joker card released with the wraith shangri-la by the way, before we move past it can i just say about the sh- the sharon thing yeah she by the way lost that oh bet. super lost that icp bet. only wanted her to pay to a charity mm. they didn't want the money mm-hmm. they wanted her to pay to a charity and she still has not paid that paid that still has not I just paid. wanted to bring I, that I up heard that the, i heard they hadn't paid it. i heard she hadn't paid they only up. wanted it for the charity i just wanted to make that that 
that real fucking clear. And also, uh, that was the most idiotic because the whole thing. I lo- oh yeah, I forgot to mention the best part about this. The whole thing was that she was so in with the industry, mm-hmm. and that's why she was making all these claims. And she was just like, "You're finished. You're done in this fucking business." And they were like, "We don't give a fuck about the industry. Yeah, <laughs> we don't give a fuck. We haven't had the help from the industry in fucking. Year. We don't give a shit about the industry. Exactly. And I love like, that what about What makes them. you think that like we don't have any MTV play? Yeah. What do you think you're gonna hurt? How are you gonna hurt? Yeah, us? exactly. How are you gonna do the it? Only yeah. Time ICB ever showed up on MTV is when they paid for the airtime. Yes, <laughs> yes. When they tried to get uh, "Let's Go All the Way" on TRL, TRL. Mm-hmm. that was a, a whole fun, debacle. A, a bunch of jugglers showed up. Yeah, and I, man, I fucked TRL so hard. Ruined By the way, I was a station. part of that back in the day. We were rigging that oh, system. Yeah. We were voting like fifty times a minute and shit. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah, yeah. Amazing. And they didn't play the video. Too. No, hell, hell, no, they did not. That shit should have been number one that day. So, uh, of course, we already mentioned it, but on the final track of Shangri-La, or maybe we actually, we talked about it, I think maybe before we started, on the final track of Shangri-La, titled The Unveiling, they reveal what they were working towards the whole time for Juggalos to find God. <laughs> Something some thought might be a joke and others didn't love after all the horrors and carnage. Violet J said, some people might have been upset, but through our eyes, all we did was touch a lot of people. We definitely wanted it to be something everlasting. And I love that he says this because it totally is you, Humble Among. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a 19-year-old might not understand or like that ending now, but later when he has four kids, he might think that was the shit. Now, let me tell you something. I um I got sober from alcohol uh three years ago, right? Hell yeah. And uh after getting sober, uh that album resonated with me in such a different way. Um the whole thing, including Thy Unveiling, with mm-hmm. his, in, as corny and I don't know, r- ridiculous as Thy Unveiling can seem, there's something so fucking badass in punk rock about we're not sorry if we trip. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not sorry. We don't care what happens. We're not sorry. Yeah, if we don't we care what happens you, now. We swing our hats. We don't care what happens proud. now. That's the other one. We don't care what happens now. <laughs> I love it, April. If you can please play the ramp up yeah. to the big reveal in that song, like it's there's so much power and like just intensity. If whatever you you feel about uh, belief in a monotheistic god in heaven, the just sheer showmanship and balls of that moment is so infectious. Who's behind Dark Lotus, the circus, and everybody at it? Who invented Juggalos and Juggalettes and fucking Fago showers? What about that feeling you get when bumping our shit? Who's behind the Juggalo powers? This ain't no fucking fan club. It ain't about making a buck. Don't buy yeah, don't buy our fucking action figures. Yeah. All the way to- <laughs> we don't give a fuck. So <laughs> Violet J or Shaggy the Butterfly or Seventeen. Honestly, the the song is hype too. Like it really builds well. Like I, you know, I was kind of surprised. I was here, like here we go, because I'd never heard it before until we did this episode, actually. And oh really? Yeah. Yes. And I was no, like, actually, just this is fucking hype. so this much hype. of just a layperson's ICP knowledge is just like an art, a blog post on Spin Magazine, being like, hey, did you get a load of what they did now? Right. Uh, Yo, right. fuck Spin. By the way, Spin's one of the major reasons that they have like a bad media. Yeah, yeah. totally. Fuck spin. spin. For that shit. I feel like Vice kind of adds to it a little bit. 
bit. Like they're not as Spin straight up tried to paint them as minstrel clowns uh-huh, back in the day. Uh-huh. They had like a whole comic book that they did where they tried to literally like, oh, they're minstrel clown. Fuck Spin uh, for that shit. And here's where I'm gonna roll out my thing that I love because I was also at one point a fish head. There is a book that I absolutely love. Yes. About great book. About a guy that follows around uh the both the subcultures, fish heads and juggalos. It's called You Don't Know Me, but you don't like me. And it is such yeah, a Nathan fuck- Rabin, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I yes, highly recommend, book. especially if you're into like different music scenes and subcultures, and especially if you're into shit that, you know, like the juggalos, where it's like outcasts coming together, creating like something beautiful. I it really, really gets into I think the nitty-gritty with specific stories of like why these are some beautiful subgroups, you know, and and uh, uh it's it's very, very cool. Um, and especially for me, because I'm just so connected. I feel so connected to both. But ICP and Twisted, while on tour, they watched a low-budget film by a hip-hop label, Big Baller Records. They're the house of Lady Ice, Po'Boy, and the Mint Squad. Uh, The movie is called Big Ballers, the movie. And they wanted to make their own film inspired by it. And the result is Big Money Hustlers, which was Shaggy 2 Dope as Sugar Bear and uh, a detective going up against crime lord Big Baby Sweets, played by Violent J. It got guest appearances from folks like Mick Foley as Cactus Sack. uh, And this project was kind of a shit show. It went way over uh, schedule and budget. Apparently, the film crew fucking hated ICP, hated the movie, oh, yeah. uh, and everything. Like, Violent J wrote the script himself based on ideas shot around by him and Shaggy, and I think maybe the Twisted Guys as well. And, you know, it's just a big, silly, funny, kind of uh, over the top, like almost 70s style, like gangster film. And uh, yeah, there were two strikes during production by the crew. He, he you know, they they end up uh, shooting a Western prequel titled Big Money Rustlers, which was filmed in California, which is, awesome. which is great. I watched it this week and it is fantastic. I love Rustlers so it, much. It's they, like they an said, early yeah. Adam Sandler movie. If like no, if the actors were even more amateur, but like it is so endearing. Some of the jokes hit really hard yeah. and it really plays to their like comedy chop heights. It yeah. really like showcases what it is about this world, what it is about their perspective, what it is about their sense of humor. That is very yeah. endearing. Yeah. I genuinely enjoy it. It's free on Tubi. Yeah. Check it out. I on think both Tubi. of them are And I Tubi. think the documentary, uh, the gathering documentary is also, uh, Family Underground is also on Tubi yeah. <laughs> for free. Uh, but anyways, yeah, they ended up filming that in, uh, on the West Coast to avoid, quote, asshole art film crews, end quote, <laughs> which I can totally see that, like knowing the type of, you know, I, I, I could totally see that ha- being a, a not a good match for them. Uh, so that was released in 2010, by the way. And now I want to get into The Gathering of the Juggalos, which is it's, yeah. it could almost be its own episode. Uh, I'll try to give a pretty quick rundown while also hitting on some of the more fun, chaotic elements. The first gathering happened in the year 2000 in Novi, Michigan. It started out pretty haphazardly in true ICP fashion. Violent J said it was his brother that put it together. They actually, I, I, I hope this is true, they put uh, info in the liner notes of the amazing Jekyll Brothers. Yep. They uh, said something was going to happen on this day. I fucking love they it. Had no Vi- idea, they had no idea what they were going to do, but something's going to happen, so they had to figure that shit out. Violent J said, I remember we did Howard Stern that 
that morning. And when we flew back to Detroit, we saw juggalos everywhere. We were like, this is crazy. In the airport and in the freeway, on the way to the expo center, we and we started to say, what is this? Look at those <laughs> license plates. These kids came from Delaware. Those kids came from fucking all over the place. And we just realized what we had put together. Shaggy said, we learned that people from all over America were willing to travel to one spot, to gather in one spot, to make the gathering happen. So their live set, set ends up uh, ending early uh, with a stage bum rush, uh, even and even three songs, even the three songs, and they rushed the so stage funny. and tore it apart. Even the seminars ended or with <laughs> with a bum rush to the stage, like it was complete chaos, total madness. Well, it was like a hotel. Yeah, they did it like a, it, in the oh, convention like next to the insurance adjusters Dude, of Wisconsin. The first three, yes, the first exactly. three years were in like a convention center in a hotel, and I mean there was like a wedding going on. Apparently, oh, the year the second God. one happened, they were like that poor wedding the second year apparently a riot broke out yes there was a riot that broke out so this is some juggalo lore apparently a juggalo punched (laughs) a horse hop on a well punched a horse The cop horse. Amazing. A-H-A-B, man. Ahab. So, yeah, yeah. Toledo was year two, by the way. This is that year. And they don't get invited back to Toledo for an, a decade. They, 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 uh, this It was such chaos. They uh, ended up, uh, like, Violent Jay ended up, like, beating the shit out of a guy with his microphone at one point because he, like, stole his chain. Uh, they, there was, oh, oh, and the, actually, year three, I believe, was the riot. It was in Peoria, Illinois. Yeah, that sounds um, right. This was the notorious, uh, also the notorious Bubba Sparks getting booed off uh, <laughs> as well. And the the riot apparently was caused by titties. Violent J said, it's a fucking rock and roll concert, man. Titties come out. The police were stopping titties, man. And that's when the, <laughs> that's what started the riot. The girl, she had her titties out. They grabbed the girl and pulled her off this dude's shoulders backwards in front of everybody. People started booing and throwing shit. Next thing you know, tear gas. And that's where the riot came in over some fucking titties, man. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, after that, they found sanctity outside at Nelson Ledges, Quarry Park in Portage County, Ohio. And Violent Chase, this is when they had the revelation. Violent Chase said, when we went to the woods, there was never another problem again. There was no issues because there was no bullies there. We hired security. We told security, relax. Have fun. If you're in the front fucking row of the concert, if you don't like this shit, move and let somebody else on the staff work that position. Don't stand there mean mugging everybody. Security's having fun. And so getting outside, this is the huge step forward. But it wasn't until 2007 when they made it to the Hog Rock campgrounds in Caven Rock, Illinois, that they found their true home for the gathering. Uh, There was a lot more land to work with. They also had the dude that runs it. They called him Hog Daddy. Uh, He he loved the whole scene. They even got calls from like Novi and from all these other places being like, don't host it. These guys are terrible. And he was like, fuck y'all. Like, I like this shit. I think these guys are great. And they, he even got involved. He got involved in like the wrestling vents and stuff like that. I think he'd even do like kind of a bonfire, like a burning thing as well. Uh, like a burning man almost type of thing. And um, it just really took off from there. And that's when it really started growing. And that was also the year the Yin Yang twins got booed off stage. <laughs> Something that would happen time and time. I think another thing when, when you know it's so funny how they kept entering the news in different ways and like one you know obviously the tequila tequila thing yeah. but you had all this like it was like this is not like any other music festival like you are applying you were playing towards a certain community and even they sometimes feel dubious about who gets booed off and who doesn't they begged the juggalos not to boo tequila by the way, that day, yeah, that day. By the way, yeah, yeah. They they came out and they're like, please do not. You know, they thought they were like, she's hot. 
she rapped about uh, they were like they heard the song uh, about her wanting to fuck the DJ and she was like yeah. she's perfect she's perfect for well, what she we was do. doing a lot of stuff on social media leading up to that like sort of stoking the fires in the wrong ways like mm. mispronouncing the word juggalo and like just just things that like you know if you took the time just to pay attention I don't know yeah and I I guess I guess they were planning it the whole. Uh, Every story I've heard from everyone is they were planning it the whole gathering. Yeah. It was all leading uh, okay. up to that. Yeah, yeah. I was they like, were, they we were are going to fucking. Motherfuckers were saving their <laughs> shit. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally saving their shit up in bottles to throw at her. So that they were ready. <laughs> they had they had this to say about the Ying Yang twins Wong is they really hate that that happened they said sometimes it's really fucked up man sometimes it's just not fair sometimes the performers go up there and do everything right I don't know what it is bro it just don't work we've seen heroes of ours go down especially yeah. in the rap world yeah. and that's what they book mostly they book all their heroes from the 90s era it kind of like became if you're an this old school rap fan the gathering's yeah, a great fucking kind of became this tribute to that 90s era you know cool Keith yeah, Onyx yeah, yeah cool Keith, oh, oh my God! Here's here's a list of just some of them: Bone Thugs and Harmony, Vanilla Ice, George Clinton, who f- killed it apparently, uh, just uh, w- did an amazing show at the Gathering. Coolio, Old Dirty Bastard, Power Man, Five Thousand, Digital Underground, Too Short, Ice Cube, Guar, Scarface, Naughty by Nature, Method Man, and Red Man, Warren G, Cypress Hill, Busta Rhymes, Juvenile, Lil John, P.O.D., Green Jelly, yeah. which wow. is so funny, Cheech yeah. and Shaw. Cool, Keith. You just mentioned Danny Brown, uh, Master P, Raekwon, and the Ghetto Boys. Just some of the acts that have performed there. Uh, of course, also like we haven't, and I, we just don't have time for it. All the other like psychopathic family, like we mentioned, Twisted. You know, there's so many. That's acts. a whole episode in itself. That's a whole thing. The whole Twisted ICP divide thing. Mm-hmm. That's a whole thing. That that all that shit, and then just every other. You know, there's so many other groups that were inspired by them. That you know, Don the Paint are part of Psychopathic Records. There's, it, it goes on if and on with that stuff. Genre on a movement onto themselves. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. It is a genre it's almost a sub, oh, yeah. it's almost a subculture that it, it's it's kind of like punk rock it feels like punk rock in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because it exists so far out of like anything mainstream like you go to a juggalo show and it's just like oh it's these juggalos doing their thing and it's but it's it's yeah. its own world it really is its own world it's crazy um i i think you need yeah. to go to a show by the way man i, I know really man. Think you need to go i think you both need i mean to go. are we are yeah i would <laughs> I oh, I'd love to Jake fucking but i mean i'll, I'll wear the paint and well, shit uh, like. wait okay <laughs> i need clarification i need clarification do they actually enforce the diet fago rule now they do have to do the diet fago because it's less corrosive i guess yeah I'm in. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. In. all right cool i'm in cool. it's all diet root beer a diet it's soda diet doesn't have beer. a syrup base so it, it evaporates <laughs> clean it just won't you don't you're not gonna get sticky if oh you're, you're com- gonna get sticky it's still a little bit sticky <laughs> i mean like- besides my own natural stickiness <laughs> that it just happens to like a gecko just my slime just creates <laughs> and like i will say like this episode's already going long and we've still got the fbi shit in the second joker card deck but i know you know i know you're so hype about the gatherings anything else you want to say about the gatherings before we move on well i want to highlight the fact that the gathering of the juggalos is um one of the only unsponsored 
music festival. Yeah. Um, they don't have any corporate sponsors, none of that shit. Oh, in fact, they even talk about how they lost money on it up until just recently. They say they lose money every year, but I think that they've maybe corrected course with that and they've started making some money. Uh-huh. Just, Shaggy uh, said just... Re- in that Steve-O interview he did, he was like, we literally... like, And I think that was from like uh, the last couple of years. He was like, this is the first year we turned a profit on yeah. it. So that's cool. That was cool that he's honest about that shit too. And he say it's like, it's just their gift back to the Juggalos. Mm-hmm. The reason why they've been doing it every single year is like, they just want to give back something. Cause you know, I mean, they talk about how I think it was after the first like Hallow Wicked tour or, the, or whatever, the first like big, you know, tour they did off of probably Riddlebox or maybe Ringmaster where they were able to come home and like they told their mom, you know, told, told his mom, he could, I think it was Violent Jay was like, mom, you can quit your job. Like I got you covered, bought everybody houses, did everything. I mean, they've been set for a really long time, you know, so it's pretty cool. I, any any like favorite moments from or like what what's like I mean anything you love about the gathering that that you want to mention besides just, just hanging with the people? I love how nice everybody is. Um, yeah, it really is nothing quite like it, man. Uh, like, but the, you know, it, it it's not that you won't find your prickly pears. By the way, you will find a bunch yeah, of people oh, sure. who are very in your face. Um, but you're it's not going to be a situation where you would have a problem ever right because it's um it's all love it really is all love and i've never experienced anything like it i've never experienced anything and you know after you leave the gathering it's so it can be quite depressing to go back to the real world and like mm. you you just realize everybody is like kind of like down in the dumps because they have <laughs> to deal with their stale ass regular ass existence and like it's it's such a come down process of coming back from it because it really is quite a magical thing for yeah. at least in my experience it's been quite a magical and life changing thing because every time I've gone my life has changed in like quite dramatic ways like really dramatic ways every year um, and I I expect this year to be uh, the same um, yeah I, I don't really hell yeah I, I have nothing but really positive I mean I've seen really dark things at the gathering too don't get that shit twisted I've seen some <laughs> yeah, fucked yeah. up shit at the gathering too <laughs> but in the in the vast majority of it it's just such good shit and like yeah I highly recommend you guys try to try to go I highly recommend it because honestly yeah I don't know how much longer this shit's gonna go yeah uh, yeah for sure I mean especially with Violent Jave yeah he announced a couple of years ago he's having some heart issues and they stop touring regularly. So it really is only these big events uh-huh. that they're doing anymore. Like the Halloween, yeah, yeah. the Juggalo Day, um, these these type of events. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird time right now in, uh, in the Juggalodium. And, uh, I can't believe someone, the, the, the epitome of clean living like Joseph Bruce <laughs> has been experiencing some kind of Honestly, it was from, from what I understand, Shaggy's, you know, because he's, he's had a long path to recovery himself. So I always mm. feel like he's, but like I mean, 10 years sober. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's been, it's been a t- real battle and I think d- battling much longer with it, you know, and, and uh, so that is pretty wild. But yeah, they, I, I hope they're taking care of themselves. It looks like Violent J is like getting a lot healthier, actually. I feel like in more recent appearances and stuff yeah it, it was a rough end of last year mm. uh he actually like lost his girlfriend to a drug overdose on Halloween. that's right so i, I think he's I been dealing with that. some emotional stuff you would you could only imagine uh, after something like that I, I just hope he's okay because yeah. honestly it's been kind of some quiet times mm. since halloween he dropped an album uh but that's about all the the jugglers have heard from him is like this music that he released gotcha so it's been some weird times honestly in the juggalodium right now I just the gathering's on though. Hell yeah! So um, good, good, yeah, that's, good. That's good news. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as we begin to close out, we've got the second, oh, the whole second Joker card deck, which I got to this point and almost had an emotional breakdown. Yo, if you breakdown. guys want to do a part two, I'm more than down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's that out there. We'll, we'll, about, we'll, we'll brush through it now, and if we, we want to go back, we'll, we'll do a more expansive uh, yeah. take. But I will just Don't say... Don't make me listen to Twisted, please. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the odds mark the start... I'll talk some shit. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the odds mark the start of the second Joker card deck, which kicked off with Bang, Pow, Boom, uh, uh, there are three variants to this album, blue, red, green, and uh, they're kind of all thrown together in nuclear. But the album is the notorious album that uh, has the song Miracles, uh, yes. which be- became a huge Internet moment. It brought ICP back into the spotlight worldwide with its classic lines like fucking magnets. How do they work? Uh, vi- and I just love uh, how good a sports like Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope are like they love when SNL makes fun of them. They think that's fucking great. Like they, they I think it's like a, a huge, high, huge achievement for them that that whenever that happens, Violent J said when it came out, the joke was, "Are they serious? Did they think those are miracles? Are they fucking serious about that?" Once again, ICB is looked at like goofs, you know, and that's all right by us. Shit, that's super all right by us. All you got to do is look at the music video and know that they are like not a hundred, you know, that they're like. Do, like un- they understand exactly what they're doing. Totally, Shaggy's hilarious. Like they're both hilarious, but Shaggy's leg- makes me like legitimately laugh in his interviews and stuff. I mean, they're I think funny. The important thing to understand about Miracles too is that um, that song was written. Uh, Violent J was watching his newborn uh, child mm. and how a newborn child uh, interacts with things for the first time. Right. And how like to a newborn, everything is fucking like it's like, whoa, like this. This simple thing is awesome. Also, most people can't explain how magnets work. So exactly. That's the thing. I always when motherfuckers press me with that magnet shit. I go, okay, dude. okay. I want you to right now without pulling out your phone. Tell me how a magnet works. And then I and then I'll let them be like, yo, pull out your phone. Pull out your phone. and Tell me how a magnet works. Um. So I would also like to clear the air because this earned them the false rep of being evangelical Christians. Shaggy Tudo up an interview said, I'm not religious. Violent J said, we don't go to church. I don't have a pastor or nothing like that, but I like to think I believe in God, but that's not what the song is about. Uh, but it, it, they've constantly said like, we just believe in God. We're not like, we're not low key, like evangelical Christian rappers or even at all. Like we're, we're just, you know, religious in the general sense. The core of their metaphysical statement is just, if you are like uh, good deeds are rewarded in whatever comes next. Yeah. That's like as far as they totally bad deeds are, will be punished. Good deeds are rewarded. It is worth being a good person. And that's not just simple, you know, just simple karma. Yeah. And that's a big thing with ICP. They talk about karma quite a bit. Totally. You also have the Mighty Death Pop, two companion albums, The Marvelous Missing Link Lost and The Marvelous Missing Link Found. Fearless Fred Fury and Yum Yum Bedlam is the most recent one. Is there, of of the new six Joker card uh, releases coming out, uh, is, is there one or two you'd point to like that you really particularly like? I really like Fearless Fred because honestly, that's like the era right when I came back. Oh, cool. And Fearless Fred has such a cool concept to me. The concept behind Fearless Fred Fury is um, all of the dead people who've ever died in the entire history of the world, how uh, how they're mad at you for all the things that you're not doing mm. that they can't do. Ooh. See, I fuck with that concept. Yeah, right? yeah. Someone who like uh, someone who uh, tries to get as much done as on this mortal plane as I possibly can. <laughs> 
I fuck with that concept. I like that. I really like that. That's awesome. And uh, I like, it's also about revenge and sticking up for yourself. And I really, I like those concepts. And I think uh, there's some really dope messages on that album specifically in that, in that lane. And it's obviously just so important to me because that's where I came back in. I think their sound on Bang Pow Boom is really mm. strong. I really like the production on that it's album. It's kind of like a beach rock Yeah, sound. it's it's like a pop. It's got Death like a pop too is like yep, that a little and bit. And I really appreciate that that kind of change in direction. What were you going to say, Jake? I, you know, just to get like a full shotgun spread of their music over the years. I listened to uh, their last uh, official Joker card album, Yum Yum Bedlam. Yeah. And uh, Panic Attack. Yeah. Is a seven-minute treatise on the mechanics and like care of mental health yeah. in yeah. a way that was like so elevated and yet like real that I was fully taken Love aback it. by like anybody who is like struggled to uh with anxiety. I was just like, God damn, ICP hadn't like understands it. And like it's it was a fascinating listen. Yum Yum's a really deep album. Yeah. Yum Yum is a very deep album. It's uh, a lot of vibes you would not expect mm-hmm. from ICP. Yum Yum is also the first female. Yeah, I noticed that, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool and kind of a little bit of more of a reckoning too, like kind of bringing in because you know the, there's a huge obviously the Juggalette community is is uh, large and in charge and and vibrant and like the gathering scene. I mean, you don't it, that's another cool thing I feel like you see when you when you watch footage of the gathering. It's a very pretty even mix of male and female contingencies. You know, mm-hmm. like so uh, it's cool to finally have a Lady Joker card uh, in the mix. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this, uh, but it, you know, it was kind of interesting. I think when I first heard about the situation with uh, being classified as a gang by the FBI, and yeah. I think initially it was kind of just like that's crazy and also really stupid, and like mm-hmm. you know, even but I didn't realize like really, but also kind of funny yeah, because of their history. Totally, you know? because initially they were like we're a real gang, and then and then they became wicked clowns, and now they're like these wicked clowns are gang, and then they had to sue the government to declare that, they and it are would not be legitimately. Fact- funny if it wasn't for all of the real life consequences yeah. that were involved that and that's where they sucks. thought they started taking it seriously when they started hearing J- juggalos tell them stories totally. personally about yeah. how this is fucking their lives up it's like a real bummer like in 2011 the fbi classified the juggalos as a gang in their national gang threat assessment list uh this will uh, allow law enforcement to stop and arrest fans just for wearing an icp shirt and led to juggalos losing their jobs just for being affiliated yeah. with the music and after a bunch of incidents involving their unfair arrests and consequences for juggalos icp sued the fbi in an attempt to reverse the gang label it also super fucked them like they were all over Taking hot topic, out a hot topic yeah all Spencer. over the hot topic t-shirt wall they got removed from that they were like the biggest yeah. sales at hot topic mm-hmm. you know i mean this is like a huge hit to their income and everything venues um, were raising questions like no this was this was a threat to the entire thing they built yeah and you watched the united states of insanity right jake yes it does a very good job of like telling the story of the band and how this designation uh kind of uh just on a personal level and professional level like really messed things up for them and how they went about remedying that situation there's an amazing reenactment where the lawyer for icp uh is confronting the fbi's lawyer and uh the fbi lawyer is like well you know we didn't it's just a uh, assessment it's just an advisory thing and the juggalo lawyer is like so if the cops follow that advice, that means it caused harm, right? Yeah. But, or is that assessment just for nobody? 
And the judge is like, damn, that's a really good point. <laughs> like, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, they didn't. I think they're still on the list, uh-huh. technically. Yeah, but they're the still trying to get collect- removed. Well, they, they got rid of the list. The list okay. technically does, or at least publicly, the list doesn't exist. Okay. I, I, I find it hard to believe that the Federal uh, Bureau of... Does not have any uh, official gang list on in on their records. I find that real hard to believe. Yeah. The march, the Juggalo march on Washington was a huge boom awesome. for the fandom. It, it really. I love. I love hearing Shaggy Two Up and, and Violent J talk like talk about how much that day meant to them. Is they didn't know if anyone was going to show up or anything. No. It was fifteen hundred demonstrators. You know, just trying to say like, hey, we're a peaceful organization, you know, <laughs> organizations, even a silly thing to say. They're fans oh, right. of a music group. It was the same day as a Trump rally, too. So uh, Juggalos meeting the Trump, the Trump motherfuckers, too, uh, which I think is really dope. I think that's Yeah, cool. yeah. I'm sure there were some rebel flags at that Trump organization, uh, Trump rally, too. Yeah, I'm sure. But at its core, like the the only argument that would come up is like, oh, there was this house in Salt Lake City that was full of Juggalos and they were involved in a lot of incidents. Oh, Juggalos were involved in this crime and this murder. But really, it's just that's it's classist yeah. at its core oh, yeah. is like the the entire ethos of the Juggalo family is like you will be accepted here. Like we acknowledge the darkness and horrors that growing up in uh, less than ideal circumstances can put upon you. And we accept you as you are. You are not broken. You are not like you should not be ashamed of who you are. Like we are here for you. So, of course, like that's just it's just the it's just society is if you're going to have people that have been through a lot that don't have a lot of material security, they're going to be involved in crime. And some of those people will also be juggalos. And it's just it was just a way to like, oh, there is someone we can fuck with. Like, he, hey, are you looking for people to fuck with cops? Here are visual indicators of some people you can fuck with. Yeah. They probably did something. Go go bananas on them. And it's just deeply unfair. I mean, that's all of If you want to get even deeper, that's all of gang culture, too. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's demonizing a lot of gang culture. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a much deeper subject, though. Shouts out to the United States of Insanity. That is yeah. a fantastic movie that treats that subject in my opinion, rather objectively. Yeah, I think I think they do yeah. a good job. And shout outs to a Family Underground as well. Uh, yeah. If you want to look at a couple of documentaries that shout I think. Shout outs to Tubi. Yeah, shout outs <laughs> to, out to Tubi, I guess. Where you can watch all of these films. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tubi, bringing affordable quality films with minimal, though frequent commercial breaks. <laughs> I, uh, I have kind of a, I like to try to end with a nice quote, sum things up a little bit. Um, and I think we're about at that point. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to want to say? I, may, I might task you, humble among with uh, what what our closing track should be a track maybe to oh, light it up a little bit uh, for people to hear on the way homies. out. Homies, it's got to be. It homies. doesn't juggle homies. It doesn't. But juggle homies, I forgot to mention, um, uh, is is a bop and uh, I think a, a pretty. I know which song. All right, cool, cool. All right, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, but uh, how about I do the quote and then I'll let uh, humble among kind of take us out a little bit. Jake, is there anything else you want to say before? As we... the villain, <laughs> as the cruel. <laughs> Fucking snob to you, underdog slobs. <laughs> Maybe the sketches aren't gut bustingly <laughs> hilarious. Maybe the raps aren't the most co- uh, technically complicated. Maybe the bars aren't as deep. Uh, maybe the music, especially when listened to in a in a uh, marathon session, blur together <laughs> into just a series of twelve uh, year olds making poop jokes at each other for the amusement of nobody. <laughs> but there is heart there. There is something real. There is something endearing. And though I may not ever pick up 
another ICP album as long as I live. <laughs> I am glad I spent time with them. I am glad I got to engage with this incredibly rich and fascinating uh, story, lore, and everything else. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a polo match I have to get to. <laughs> me and my Richie friends and my skinny girlfriend, <laughs> whose butt is very tiny and I love Say it. Say hi to uh, Harry and Meghan Markle for me, Jake. Here's a oh, quote. Of <laughs> Here's a quote from Violet J that I absolutely, absolutely love. Uh, the thing about ICP is really quite simple. Me and this guy grew up together as friends in his mom's front yard and in his mom's backyard. But everything that was cool to us as 13, 14 year olds, everything we thought would be the shit is exactly what we're doing. It's simple. We just applied what we thought would be the shit. You know, we're going to be the bad guys and we ha and have the makeup on and we're going to be the most hated and we're going to be this and that. And one day we're going to do wrestling. And we did everything we set up to do as kids. And we still are doing it today. Same fucking thing. According to most people, we ain't the shit. We're scrubs. And we are and always have been broke as fuck. And we know it. We ain't tough gangsters. We've been getting fucked off. Our whole lives, we have been the scrubs. So we might as well rep that in some way. And I say shout outs to those who rep the scrubs. You're, the mo you're more important than I think you'll ever understand. Shouts out to the flu. Hell yeah. I'm just saying Weezer is right there, fellow scrubs. <laughs> Weezer is right <laughs> they're there. Getting, they're there's so much more inconsistent, actually. We already did our Weezer episode. Uh, all right. Uh, humble among any final words and, and, and leave us off with a track. Uh, yeah. Uh, subscribe to Humble Among on YouTube. Uh, Humble Among on all streaming gimmicks. Um, thank you guys for having me. Um, that, this has been fucking awesome. This episode yeah. would not have been possible. Yeah, dude. Uh, I really Killed appreciate it. it. Thank if you, you so much. If you ever want to talk about horrorcore, obscure rap shit. Sure. Or ICP again or whatever. I'm so down to do this shit again. This was Hell awesome yeah. time. But for the final song, um, uh, uh, I, I think we have to play ICP's Take Me Away from uh, Bizarre or Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, before we before we hit that track, uh, first of all, thank you again, Humble Among. Check them out thank on you. YouTube. Really good stuff, especially like that. There's hours of raw footage of The Gathering. Really good quality. Really, uh, you yeah, know, check out The Gathering documentary. Great stuff. But there's a lot of stuff on there uh, uh, around in and around the ICP universe. Um, check us out. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew. We have weekly bonus content and ad-free episodes on there for just $5 a month at the $15 layer. You can join us on Discord where we cover whatever we're covering that week. This last Sunday, we hung out and listened to a bunch of ICP, watched music videos and shit like that. It was awesome. So we watched a couple of minutes of the shockumentary. Oh, yeah. yeah. A classic. Way from, yeah, way back when. Uh, to, uh, so that's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew, twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. You can watch me stream Monday through Friday, twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. Jake. Follow me on Twitter at best jake young instagram at best jake young and hey uh i'm also doing a streaming thing it's called the cartoon dumpster it's every thursday 7 p.m uh just go to twitch.tv slash puppet jared that's my vtuber avatar i am the man behind the mask or youtube.com slash puppet jared it's a grand old time i would love to see you there hell yeah april take us away with uh take me away welcome to the dark carnival <laughs>
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.